today on The Conversation with Dr. Scott Camp. I really truly believe that no woman wants to have an abortion, but they feel like all of their options are too hard, and abortion seems like a quick fix. And that's certainly how it's sold by abortion providers and advocates of, of abortion. It's a billion-dollar industry. Right. Welcome to The Conversation with Dr. Scott Camp. Dr. Camp has survived a life of drug and alcohol abuse and incarceration. Since giving his life to Christ, he has been a pastor, evangelist, author, college professor, and dean of students. He has also been a program guest with the Billy Graham Crusade. Dr. Camp's unique blend of life experiences have given him a powerful, relevant ministry to reach the unreachable with the message of Christ. Now, let's listen as Dr. Camp starts the conversation with today's guest, Vicki Brumley, Director of Care Pregnancy Center. Good morning. This is Scott Camp. You're listening to The Conversation, and my in-studio guest is Vicki Brumley, and she's the Executive Director of the Local Care Pregnancy Center, and she loves Jesus. She loves babies. She loves women. And she wants to give a positive solution, a positive answer to women who might find themselves in a in an unexpected pregnancy. It's certainly not maybe from God's standpoint, but from their standpoint. Vicki, how did you develop a heart for these women? Well, Scott, thank you so much for having me on the show. And uh, I had an unplanned pregnancy at 18 while I was in college. And so I know uh, the pressures that can be involved in making a decision in that unplanned pregnancy situation. So I have firsthand experience. And when I was 18 and had that unplanned pregnancy, there was no place to go. And I did choose to carry, pulled out of college. Me and my guy pulled out of college and started to work. We started to work at Arby's. And we would walk to Arby's and do the fast food thing. And it was just very difficult. We had no vehicle, no family support. When you told your parents that you were expecting a child, what was their response? Well, my father was never in the picture which is something um, after being 21 years in this ministry that I have seen a lot of. Uh, My mother was very mentally ill, so she had checked out a long time ago. So there was really no one there for me. And uh, Rick and I were in Oklahoma at that time and chose to carry. And it's not because I was a strong Christian or I knew um, anything about abortion, but I just knew I did not want to have an abortion. So we Roe v. Wade had been legalized at yes. that time. It could have been an option for you. Yes. And it, so I, it could have been an option for me. And it might have happened if someone would have handed me the money and Rick wouldn't have stuck with me. Were you raised in the church, Vicki? Did you have any exposure to, if you're from Oklahoma, I know there was a Baptist church at least in your town. Well, off and on, we went to church as I was growing up. We went to all different denominations, mainly Baptist. Um, but My wife's from Oklahoma. That's why I said Okay. That, yeah. Well, and I spent uh, probably half of my childhood in Houston. So I was back and forth between Texas and Oklahoma. Um, very 
I guess, insecure childhood as far as just my life. And um, so Rick and I, his mother and dad, stepdad, with a promise of a job, said, come on to Louisiana. You know, you can we'll help you out. And that's when we started working at Arby's. And but that is also when I um, bowed my knee and surrendered my life to Jesus Wow! was in that unplanned pregnancy. And that is something that we see in the counseling when a woman is faced with an unplanned pregnancy and her life feels like it's falling apart. She is more open to spiritual things. It's a crisis in her life. Mm -hmm. She's looking for God, looking for love and acceptance. And it's just a great opportunity to share the gospel. Who told you about Jesus? Who, Who shared Jesus with you? Well, it was... The boyfriend. Wow, Rick. Yes, Rick. Uh And he was not where he needed to be, but he was a believer. And he would share with me off and on through our dating relationship. And I would can remember saying, oh, I don't want to talk about God. And then he would stop, and then he would bring him up again. But then he would just every once in a while say scripture. And it really, I could just... the. The seed, the word, will not return void. And it started doing something in my heart. And so by the time I was pregnant, I was open to the Lord. And I had heard off and on about Jesus, but that is when I really fully surrendered is in that pregnancy. So when you had your little baby, little girl, little boy? Well, we had Beth and Brumley at the time, and uh, we were we started attending a church, and that church, even though we were unmarried, they welcomed us they with opened you. arms. Yes, ended up getting married, and they gave us a baby shower, and that was my first experience with really the church being the hands and feet of and Jesus. And it was a positive experience. Very that's positive. Wonderful to hear, and I think that's the majority of the time. I think. With all of our problems and all of our difficulties in the body of Christ, there's something in us, those of us who really know the Lord, we want to love people and help people. So you became a part of the church. You and Rick were married. You had Beth. How old is Beth now? Well, Beth is 33. Wow. And she is a teacher at University Elementary in Shreveport. But I think... You know, one thing that really did affect to me is the church's response to us and not being judgmental. But also when we were walking and in that state of just extreme poverty, that someone from the church knocked on our door one day and I had stopped working at Arby's. I was too big. You know, I was uh, pregnant. And uh, someone showed at our doorstep one day and said, the Lord told us to give you our car. Wow. And this was not a rich couple and they had two used cars and i said well rick's up at arby's and so he drove that little chevette home and uh, that was the catalyst for him to be able to get a better job now that couple they went for about one year with one car and her having to take him to work you know and all that but it really propelled us financially for him to get a better job, and he did. And that that just really helped the, the body of Christ stepping in and sacrificially helping. And God began to bless you because mm-hmm. you were trying to do right. You were trying to serve the Lord. That's right. When did you begin to develop a heart for 
women who had gone through what you've gone through and really begin to feel a call into this ministry. How long have you been doing this ministry? I've been doing this ministry for 21 years. Wow. Um, I was raising, I have three children, and we have Beth, who's 33, and Hannah, who's 32, and then Ellis will be 30 this year, and Rick and I are still married. Wow, what a story. I know, it is a blessing, and... But it was probably when the kids were starting school, elementary school, someone came to our church and spoke about starting a pregnancy center in Shreveport. And at that time, it was called Arklatex Crisis Pregnancy Center. And I can remember looking at Rick and say, I'd like to be a part of that one day. I, you know, I could do something. And then it was maybe a couple years later, someone asked me to do the bookkeeping and I told them I didn't know anything about bookkeeping, and they said we would teach you, and it was for the pregnancy center, and I just started doing the books. And it was very small because the center was very small, and that's how it began for me. And then the Lord called me to start talking with the women, and that's called client advocacy. And I was scared to talk death, but um, I knew that he wanted me to start talking to them. Would so, you tell them your story? Is that what you would uh, primarily do, at least initially? Well, yes, I did. And the Lord has used that story probably thousands of times, mm-hmm. because there's nothing like sharing your testimony, because they might look at me sitting across from them a you know middle age now I'm a grandmother and think I cannot relate but when I tell them my story then many times they're open to me so it's a way to get in and just uh, start really connecting and getting real with where they are and uh, most of the women I talk to are in they're going to be single parents and that's what's heartbreaking, and it's so hard to watch because I know it's going to be a hard road for them. Are they are they young between say like you were between say sixteen and twenty five something like that? Most of the women are from seventeen to twenty four, mm-hmm. but it can go anywhere from eleven on up to say fifty five. So you've seen eleven, twelve year old yes girls who were sexually abused or sexually active? Correct. And if they're under a certain age, of course, we have to call Child Protection Services. And it's it's heartbreaking. But we just meet them right there at the point of their need. And Were some of these girls raped? Uh, sometimes, yes. And they're pregnant? Yes. How do they find them, themselves? How, how do they find you? How do they find themselves uh, coming to you? Well, they now they can Google free pregnancy test. We also offer free ultrasound. Um, we have ads on the radio stations on some of these stations that uh, that age group listens to. Their friends, most of the people come to the pregnancy center because they heard from a friend that one thing were confidential, that were non-judgmental, and that we will help them. You counsel them. Uh, obviously against having an abortion. Correct. We are a pro-life ministry. We're totally funded by individual churches and businesses. Um, We have fundraisers, and that is how we are supported. We get no government money at all. an organization like Planned Parenthood or something like this, you don't receive any federal funds? No. Uh You're a 501c3. Everything is, uh, is... 
tax deductible. Correct. I'm saying that because many of our listeners right now may yes. feel very led of the Holy Spirit to help you. I'm yes. sure that like all uh, 501c3s, there's a, there's a need for resources to be able to help people. There is definitely a need for resources. Um, we just, so far we've had, we're getting close to, we'll, we'll have about 900 pregnancy tests that we've done this year. This year, Yes, wow. and so. How many of those will be positive? Over half. Uh-huh. So five, 600 of these young women under various circumstances come in and they are pregnant, mm-hmm. and then they have to make this decision. Correct. Whether to uh, terminate the pregnancy or to have the baby. Do many of them, uh, you know, you and Rick were later married, you're still married, you chose to keep Beth. Did adoption ever cross your mind? It did. And that is something else that we do share at the pregnancy center. In fact, I just had a client this last week week that I saw, and I told her, I said, have you thought about adoption? And she said, I'm not going to have a baby, and then they just whisk it away at the hospital, and I'll never see the baby again. And I got the opportunity to tell her that most adoptions now are open. It's really different. It's very different. She can be a part of a family. She can. She can name her baby, and she can uh, know exactly what's going on with that child. I I really truly believe that no woman wants to have an abortion, but they feel like all of their options are too hard, and abortion seems like a quick fix. And that's certainly how it's sold uh, by abortion providers and advocates of of abortion. It's a billion-dollar industry in the United States, even though uh, we've seen the number of abortions steadily drop. Mm Mm-hmm. It's still a just a, a, an industry, right? And sometimes I know that you've experienced uh, this, Vicky, that the most vulnerable people in our society, people who have low income, low education, uh, they are preyed upon by the abortion industry. It's very, very sad. Of course, Margaret Singer. Uh, who started the whole Planned Parenthood was an avowed racist who really wanted to exterminate little black babies. That's right. Because she considered them less than human. Right. So I don't see how anyone who is serious about being a follower of Christ could ever advocate for for abortion. And I know God has raised up ministries mm-hmm. like yours to help women see that there is another alternative and it's a better alternative it's not only better for the baby but it's better for them yes and you know that when you said that that made me think about um our abortion recovery bible study it some women do make that choice and sometimes they're a believer and sometimes they're not but I do believe it leaves a wound on their heart, yeah. and it can, as a believer, paralyze them in their walk with the Lord. And sometimes they feel like they can't go to church, or they can't move on in their spiritual journey. Because they feel guilty. Yes, and they feel like it's the unforgivable sin. But we know Jesus is bled, bled, he bled for all sin, yeah. and he paid a high cost for our healing and our wholeness. But... My mother also, she had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 16, and she chose abortion. Now, she was already unstable, but that right there took it even further 
as far as her instability. And a lot of women out there say they have a child, they're a single mom, and they have another unplanned pregnancy, and they choose abortion. Will that affect her parenting, that one child she has? And I do believe it will. I believe that it hurts women. I think that it... Um, it just it hurts families. It's hurting our state. It's hurting our nation. Vicki, is your mom still living? She is not. Were you ever able to, to talk with her about spiritual things? You became a Christian. Was she still alive? She, she was a believer. Wow. And that is something that I see in the counseling room. Um, there are believers that are choosing abortion. Because they think, well, sometimes I think the Lord will forgive me, and He will forgive. But, you know, that baby goes on to be with the Lord, but they are left with that damage. And the the devil, he doesn't leave that alone. He will kick you when you're down. And so then he he comes— He plays very dirty. He plays very dirty. Then he comes to torment. Mm. And when you, I believe, allow death to come— in that way, it gives him room to do more, and so I think it's uh, it's a very deep issue spiritually, and that's why we have that abortion recovery Bible study. One woman, I, and I help with that because I do have a heart for it because I saw my mother how it affected her. She thought she was doing what was best. She was a single mom. She had three children, and her and the guy were talking about getting married, and I was so excited. I thought. Oh, she's going to be married because she didn't date or anything, and so she. I felt like she found, you know, her her man, and um, and so then they decided to abort because she felt like she was too old. I was the youngest; I was sixteen, and it was the very thing that she was trying to save her little family and this relationship was the very thing that it ended up just decimating. This abortion did, and I do believe that's being played out all through the nation with these single moms, and then they choose abortion, and they're still trying to parent, and I ended up having to go live with my grandmother. So is this being played out through our nation, and is it hurting our state? I I really believe that it is, but no one wants to talk about it. The woman surely doesn't want to talk about it because it's embarrassing. We really need to educate our sons as well, don't we, Vicki? Yes. You know, what can we do? Uh, You have a daughter, two daughters, and then one son. Correct. How can talk to us for just a minute? There are a lot of women who are listening to this program right now, and they have sons who are 10, 11, 12 years old. They're going to be going into adolescence and then into young adulthood. We most of the time uh, we focus these kinds of conversations on young girls and women, uh, and we have to because of the nature of what we're talking about. But what what can women, moms, How can they help talk to their sons about this issue? I think with this issue, since it is something that's going on in our day, that it needs to be a discussion that starts as soon as you start talking about intimacy between a man and a woman, that this needs to be introduced. I think knowledge is power. 
um, I, the word says that we per- they perish for lack of knowledge. I even went and I shared about the abortion procedure with a youth group. Mm. The youth pastor wanted me to share about what happens. And the boys were in there too. And so I think encouraging them to be the warriors that they were meant to be, to be the protectors of their family that they were meant to be, and encouraging them and not talking down to them. I think our society is getting to where it's, it's bashing men more. And them taking their place as the father. We're having an upcoming banquet, and our keynote speaker, Rollin Warren, he used to be the president of the Fatherhood Initiative. And it really he's really going to be talking to the fathers how it is a responsibility of the fathers to also teach the sons how to be men and how to be protectors. Now, in my case, I was raised by a single mom, and so was my brother. And he, that was very hard if you don't have a father in the house. But I think those families that do have a father in the house, that they need to be open with their sons and talk about being that protector and that warrior and, and really encouraging them in who God created them to be. Well, someone's going to educate our children about sexuality. And it's an unavoidable topic in our culture today. So it'll either be the media or it'll be a, a movie star or a celebrity or a, a reality television star or a basketball player mm-hmm. when it should be mom and dad. Correct. I, I really believe it starts in the home. I think that... And, and you said one of the common threads that you've seen is the absence primarily of a father. Correct. So this becomes a generational cycle in the lives of, of, of communities. Yes. And it's very difficult to break that. It's very difficult. And I think that mother has to be very proactive and very in tune with what's going on with her kids and, and relationship, having a relationship with the child where you're spending good, healthy time together and just having fun and being able to talk to them. So um, I do believe it's, it's, I think it's really big just having that good family unit. Vicki, have you interacted through the course of, of your involvement in, in the pro-life movement and in the Crisis Pregnancy Center, have you interacted with uh, advocates of, of abortion? Uh, what they, they call themselves pro-choice. Uh, have you interacted with some of your counterparts on that side in any discussions or personally? I have not. Uh, I guess being in the Bible Belt, it's not as, uh, there's not as much as far as adversity in the pro-life ministry, the one that we have. Um, I'm asking you because uh, earlier this week, uh, I had Flip Benham on uh, my program and I was Flip's pastor for years and really pastored the entire pro-life movement in Dallas where I was uh, pastoring at the time. And Flip was at that point the uh, National Director of Operation Rescue. I don't know if you know this story, I'm sure that you do, but Jane Rowe, uh, her name was Norma McCorvey. And Norma uh, was uh, the test case for uh, Roe v. Wade. Although she never personally had an abortion. As a matter of fact, Norma was a lesbian, but she fabricated at that point a story 
about wanting to get an abortion so that they could present a, a legal case before the Supreme Court. Uh, it all started in Texas. Um, so later, Norma got into the abortion industry and for years and years ran uh, an abortion clinic down on McKinney Avenue. Well, Flip got a real burden for Norma and moved the National Office for Operation Rescue right next to her abortion clinic wow. and began to reach out to her and love her. Wow. He didn't condemn her. He loved her. He reached out. They began to have coffee uh, right out in front of their uh, respective places of business. She would go to the abortion clinic. He would go to the Operation Rescue. Well, Norma came to Christ mm -hmm. over a period of time got baptized in our church. Wow. I became Norma's pastor. She recently went to be with the Lord, but lived out the rest of her days uh, a victorious Christian life. Praise God. I think sometimes, you know, uh, Vicki, we live uh, here in Shreveport surrounded by casinos, strip clubs, uh, prostitution. I've had these girls right here on this show who came out of that. I think there's a tremendous ministry of love and nurture and care that we can have to people who are caught up in these kinds of industries. And sometimes Christians um, are very quick to condemn uh, people who are in this type of lifestyle. And if they get pregnant, they get an abortion, it's almost as if we kind of think, well, you know, they're going to meet God's judgment. And, you know, that's true, but we should weep over that mm -hmm. and make it very difficult for them to go to hell. Right. I agree. Make it very difficult for them to go to hell. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, God is pro-choice. He says, choose life. Yes. He wants you to choose life. So maybe you're a listener today and maybe you've just... Uh, uh, providentially dialed across the, the radio channel here and you're hearing this conversation and maybe you've had an abortion and you know the guilt. I don't think anybody can have an abortion and feel good about it. Vicki, speak to that person right now. Someone who's listening right now who's had an abortion, they know they did what's wrong. There's been an emptiness, maybe even an empty seat at their table that yes. they look at and wonder what could have been. What would you say to that lady? Maybe she might be our age. Right. What would you say? Well, I would first say that um, all sin is sin. And it makes me think about in the Bible when Saul was killing Christians and um, persecuting Christians, and then he became a Christian and became Paul. I do think that God can heal. I believe it leaves a wound, and He can heal that wound, and um, and it can be used for His glory. Our, some of our most effective client advocates have had abortions. Yeah. Who better to know? Who's a better expert on how an abortion will affect someone than someone's already been through it? And that's why I like to share my story. And I think that not everyone is supposed to share their story, but I do know there's there's forgiveness, and I know there's complete healing. Yeah. 
Not that you won't forget it, you'll forget about it, but I don't believe that it should pain you anymore. Just like my sins in the past don't pain me anymore. I'm a new creation in Christ. And I believe that you can experience that total freedom. I remember after one uh, class, at the um, the pregnancy center for the abortion recovery, and it was totally finished. We were finished with the course, and the woman said, I went home and I danced before the Lord, and it was the first time I had danced before the Lord in a very long time. She was free. She was free, and she knew it. Now, the Lord, He forgives right away. It's We are the ones that are left to work through it, and He wants to work through it with you. He wants you to feel his love and his healing touch. And you're certainly there to help them. Definitely. And we're going to give your information at the end of the program. But Vicki, thank you. Thank, thank you. you for uh, choosing to have that beautiful little girl who's now a grown woman and is a school teacher. Yes. My mom got pregnant with me when she was 15. My parents weren't married. My dad was a teenager. It was before the legalization of abortion. My mom had me. I've been all over the world the last almost 40 years telling people about Jesus. Praise the Lord. And my mom found redemption and forgiveness. There's always grace with Jesus. He loves us all. Thank you for what you're doing to help people, for your love for for women, love for children, and we'll be praying for you. Thank you so much. You're listening to The Conversation. This is Scott Camp. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again in the morning and we'll talk. You have been listening to The Conversation with Dr. Scott Camp. Today's guest was Vicki Brumley, Director of Care Pregnancy Center. For more information, go to GiveThemOptions.com. To get a copy of Dr. Camp's book, A Primer on Power, or to partner with Dr. Camp, you can go to ScottCamp.org. Thank you for listening to The Conversation with Dr. Scott Camp. Please tune in again tomorrow morning at 7.30 for a new conversation.